Hollow Man capitalized on the rise of digital visual effects to create a modern take on the Invisible Man. Add in provocative director Paul Verhoeven along with a few big stars and maybe we've got something that's worth another look. Welcome everyone to the Atomic Cinema Experiment. I am Peter and joining me as always is Tara. Hello. This is a science fiction movie podcast. We get together and we talk about a movie. This is a vote winner episode, meaning our patrons voted for this one. Uh, and this was Hollow Man. So that's what we're going to talk about. We actually did all of the classic Invisible Man series, all the Universal Monster Era Invisible Man movies. Um, barring the comedy crossovers with like Abbott and Costello. We didn't do those. But I, I, I tried. Like, I, I put up a vote for Invisible Man movies, and I think that was one of them. It was this, that, and Memoirs of Invisible Man, I think. So I put up a selection, and this was the what the, <clears throat> the patrons went for. This is the Paul Verhoeven-directed film from 2000, starring Kevin Bacon, Elizabeth Shue, and Josh Brolin. Uh, so, and this was actually kind of like... Outside of the Goonies, which was obviously a long time before this, this was kind of what I knew Josh Brolin from until he started being in a lot of things, probably after No Country for Old Men. I feel like that's when he became like a movie star, kind of, again. He definitely got put on the radar yeah. for me also during then. Because I think before that, he was Hollow Man, and also a bit of trivia, he's the older brother in Goonies. That was kind of how I knew him. And then after No Country for Old Men, it kind of became, oh no, they're putting him in movies now. He's, he's in Marvel movies, he's in other things. So, yeah. Yeah, he's just a baby here. I mean, he's really not. <laughs> they all, everybody's just a baby in this. Well, see that, because we... See, you say that, but all three of these... The three leads that I just listed were all in movies in the 80s playing teenagers. So I know what they all look I like. I know, I know. But they're all super young and attractive. And by super young, I mean, like, they're probably my age now. <laughs> yeah, Kevin Bacon must be still about 40-ish at this Time. According according to the film, his character is thirty eight. Born nineteen fifty eight, so he's forty two when this came out. Mm. So, so they're fudging it a little bit in the movie, which is fair enough. But yeah, yeah, <laughs> four years. Yeah, he looks about he looks about forty. Yeah, and I don't know, four years is quite a difference, Tara. Don't don't discount four years. It's a long uh -huh. time. <laughs> you are just a baby. <laughs> I'm young. You're old. Deal with it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm, I'm middle <laughs> yeah so that, that's just three leads Kevin Bacon uh, will be the man who turns invisible uh, that's not a spoiler the, you know, the, the ads, the trailers, the posters all of it kind of makes that clear it's going to be him um, but they're a team of scientists who are trying to develop invisibility in fact they technically have already done so uh, what they're struggling with is turning their animals back to visible again um, but eventually obviously it leads to a human test with Kevin Bacon's character and, you know, the movie goes from there. So I'll leave it there. We'll get into spoilers later. We'll give you a warning before we get into spoilers. Um, this is one that I definitely saw a bunch of times because this was right around the time when I was watching movie channels a lot and, like, when it hit the movie channels. I think I saw it before then once, but when it hit cable, it, like, I must have saw it, like, dozens of times over the course of 2002. Yeah. And it's just pervy enough for you. Oh, I mean, 11-year-old me was fascinated by some of the <laughs> things in this yes it, i mean it is quite the anatomy lesson <laughs> there's uh there's all sorts of 
uh, titillation. <laughs> and not all of it in the best light, admittedly. Honestly, no. this movie's a lot more horrific, I, I feel, watching as an adult than I was when I was a kid. When I was a kid, I was just like, boobies, I was distracted. Watching yes. it as an adult, and then where that scene goes, it's like, oh no, I'm actually quite disturbed watching this as an older person now. Like, but yeah, it actually yeah. isn't very sexy at all. No, no, uh, it's definitely not. This is no invisible maniac, and it's definitely exploring some ideas of like toxin. I wouldn't quite say masculinity per se. Uh, there's definitely an ego element to it, but I'd say more toxic. Like, <sighs> yeah, I, you know what I'm saying though, right? It's it's not so much like. I, I mean, there's a bit of Kevin Bacon saying, "Oh, yeah, I've got the biggest stick in the yard." But it's, I mean, it's, honestly, is it is it any worse than the Claude Rains one? I mean, everything every Invisible Man story has had the same kind of elements and themes to it. It's just if you give it to Paul Verhoeven, he's going to explore the more sexuality. Yeah, he's, he's going to yeah go deeper with the the pervy <laughs> side of it. But, but yeah. to be fair, it's a constant theme throughout the film. It's not like it just suddenly turns that way once you know we're deep into the invisible and going slightly crazy territory so um but yeah like, like it explores kind of unhealthy attitudes towards sex towards women uh ego is a part of it um but also of course the idea that like if you're not accountable for anything because no one can see you what would you actually do and get away with would you still have your conscience uh so th- those are themes that we'll talk about a bit as we, we talk about the film uh but that is the gist of it so I'll just uh, ask Tara, who I, I'm sure saw this uh, as well back in the day. In theaters, yeah. Yeah, I don't think I saw. Mom. I think I was a little too young to see in theaters. Yeah, I was 11, and those boobs. My mom was a big <laughs> Kevin Bacon fan, so she was very um, uh-huh. eager to see this movie. <laughs> uh-huh. Uh huh. Was that not awkward? <laughs> no. <laughs> I- after I uh, saw Monsters Ball in the theater with my mom, like <laughs> anything was game. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, but I'm just like imagine our nudging. That might you, have been like, even after. I'm not sure. Nudging but... you when he's got you schlong out and be like, hey, hey, hey. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I would have been like, what, fifteen? <laughs> I was just giggling. <laughs> it meant nothing to me. Uh, my mom yeah. was just shoving popcorn in her mouth. I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Tara, what do you think of Hollow Man? <laughs> I mean, honestly, I, I do like it. I think it is a really fun version of Invisible Invisible Man. And I think the uh, the the sexuality of it given to Verhoeven is very entertaining, but also it does go dark enough to be like, okay, well, at least he's making a point with this also. And it's not just an excuse for to watch someone be pervy on women. Uh, to, to be fair, he always does. Like, he always has a oh, point. Oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah he, he, his perviness is more of like, oh, he's just European, you know? He wants to explore sexuality <laughs> and all its faults and shit. Like, that's yeah, all... Yeah, it's not quite, like, eyes wide shut level of, like, let's really go into a, a deep analysis of the different types of nudity and sexuality and stuff like that, but this is more like yeah. a, a very, that- you know tunnel vision version of that. this is about the male gaze this is more about yeah you know what a man will do you know you see examples through it throughout where you know like just for example Gren Grigberg who's in this movie he's looking at like a like a penthouse at one point he's just like oh look at these titties like he's he's, he's he all says, excited I can suck those titties right off of her or something. <laughs> it's something like that um, yeah I do I do think that it's a really enjoyable watch I think Kevin Bacon actually does a really great job of his version of this Claude Rains like character mm. I think he really pulls off the scientist because it's 
or like the 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 scientists with the god complex. I think the uh, <clears throat> I think all the scientists are really hot, and that's fun to watch because <laughs> it doesn't make much sense to me. Wait, wait, wait! Even curly haired guy? <laughs> uh, he's all right. Oh, okay. If he was just on his own, he would look much better. But like, unfortunately, <laughs> he's next to everyone else. Yeah, Greg Greg uh, Rinbert's cuddly. Obviously, Josh Brolin's very traditionally handsome, handsome. <laughs> yes as is kevin bacon i think well he, in his own way um and um and the, all the women are beautiful of course um but i think the the last act of the movie although super crazy and wild and and fun to watch is maybe a bit too crazy but i still enjoy it i think in some ways this feels like the least paul verhoeven movie that i've seen of his um, even though you can definitely get a flavor of him because of the way he's exploring the sexuality, but it still feels more mainstream Hollywood to me than almost anything else I've seen him make. I mean, unless I'm forgetting something, but it feels a lot more like typical of the film of this era. But at the same time, it does it is directed well, and he does like have some of those themes like we're talking about. I think what's interesting about it is that I appreciate what it does with the themes, but I think it could have went further as well, and that makes it sort of lack a bit of bite. And I think. This got a lot of negative reviews when it came out, and I think the main reason people probably, that the critics at the time probably tore it apart is because the third act does just kind of devolve into more of a slasher movie. And I think what's unique from my perspective on that is that I happen to really like slasher movies, so I can acknowledge that it kind of like just turns it into a B-movie, but, but it could have been a more you know, psychosexual analysis of the, you know, the, the male gaze and all that. Um, mm-hmm. But... I enjoyed the B-movie slasher stuff in the last act, so I still have fun with the whole movie, but I can acknowledge that it's, you know, um, like, I think Sunshine's a better movie, but I think Sunshine dips harder in its third act, whereas this... I actually was getting some Sunshine vibes, and it could also be because, like, the, you know, the, I don't know, I don't want to give it anything away in in Mm. this film yet, but, like, there are some similarities to the looks. Oh, visually, yeah. Um, But... Yeah, I think the, I do enjoy the, uh, the third act, even though it does become like a, a slasher slash like action film for a little bit too. It, it it turns into a bit of a almost like a disaster movie, like <laughs> because of like the compound that they're all in and stuff like that that they have to escape from. And I don't know, like uh, I, I guess that's just like the '90s influence on action movies. A little bit. It's like we have to throw in a little bit of the disaster element. We weren't in the superhero era yet, so instead of blue beams in the sky and buildings being toppled, it's uh, it's water and fire and electricity <laughs> that everyone's <laughs> running away from. Yeah, yeah. I obviously the title's got the obvious double meaning. They didn't call it an Invisible Man. They could have just called this Invisible Man. There's no reason why. I mean, yeah, I don't. Th- I don't think like Universal owns the rights to just using that name. Maybe they could do it, but no, I don't think a, they do. but it says based on characters from H.G. Wells, Invisible yeah. Man. Like, they, they put it in the opening credits. But they call it the Hollow Man, and obviously it's an intentional, like, you know, he's hollow inside. You know, he's, he's not got a conscience kind of thing. They're, they're you going know, for I that. never made that connection until you just said it. <laughs> Did it hurt that I started that sentence with the obvious double meaning? Maybe a little. <laughs> I'm used to it by now. Uh yeah, I yeah, I I I enjoy Hollow Man. I do think there's a bit of nostalgia because it did come out in that sort of preteen era. Not just because I was excited by the boobs at the time, but just because it was a movie that was on a lot and it was entertaining to my eleven, twelve year old kind of brain at the time. Mm-hmm. And I think now looking back, a mixture of that nostalgia with 
pretty solid direction, a mostly good cast, and um, honestly, one of the big things that people talked about a lot when this came out, what I remember a lot of the praise, all the extras on the DVD were about it, was the CG. It was the visual effects everyone was was raving about, because you see this transition from, like, you know, person to invisible, and it doesn't just fade away, which could have looked kind of cool in a creepy way, but in this movie, they base it on, like, more of a sort of, like, biological kind of, like, blueprint sort of thing, where mm -hmm. layers of his body disappear, so you, the skin goes and you can see the it muscles. It looks like you're, you're, you've got, like, the anatomy uh, yeah. model or something. And you like can see you the get veins. the one with the bones, you get the one with the skin and the veins, and yeah. And honestly, most of that stuff, watching it now in 2023, it holds up better than I thought it would, and I think the reason for it... I agree, actually, yeah. ...is because... I think seeing a person, like, as if you can see through their skin and seeing everything inside them is such an unnatural thing that we can't comprehend how that would actually look, that the kind of fakeness that it comes with actually is okay. Because we, we can't picture, like, you can't picture that. You can't picture what a person walking around with no skin would... I mean, okay, if you've seen no. Hellraiser, you've got a maybe a vague idea. That's the, but... That is the one thing I was thinking of. It was like, but that's different, you know? That yeah. was really gooey, and they had they had a lot of, like, blood always coming off of them, which is not the case here. Because the you skin's know, the still there. The blood is the first thing that yeah. goes invisible. I mean, the skin's still there. That's that's the thing. Like, you have to remember that yeah. throughout, even when you see a, a, a mo you know, not monster, sorry, an animal, or a Kevin Bacon, <laughs> when... Sometimes they're in that in-between state, and you have to remember the skin's still there. It's not like they're oozing stuff or anything. Like, like anyone touches them, they're still going to feel the skin and the hair and stuff. Yeah, one of the one of the interesting things that I don't know if it was in any of the other Invisible Man movies we watched, um, but they mentioned almost instantly is that he's got eyelids, but he could see through them. So, like, he, there mm. is no um, getting away from light for him unless he had, like physically covers his eyes with like a blanket or something like that yeah thought, well, oh that's a neat touch i never thought about that but yeah i think it's uh something that's more a problem when he first wakes up and that makes sense because when you wake up and it's been dark and like someone turns on a light it does like you, you shut your eyes and you cover because it's like blinding to you yeah, and yeah. Uh, whereas your eyes get used to it obviously after a couple of minutes and it's fine but yeah and he's like i just i can't sleep because there's always light coming in i just you know stuff like that like, i never yeah. thought about that but that's a really neat detail yeah I mean, face masks were still common in 2000, right? <laughs> you can just go get a face mask. Yeah, you can get an eye mask, yeah. <clears throat> That's not a new thing. Oh, and, I'll tell you what... Yeah, what, and he doesn't, like, put the blanket over his head yeah. when he goes to sleep. I'll tell you what I do think was a new thing. Not because I know this for a fact, but he makes such a point of, like, uh, locking his car with his, like, you know, remote key at the last second before the elevator shuts, where I'm like... Was that like a newish thing in 2000? Because it feels Maybe. like he was really enjoying that. He was really like, oh, I, I can lock my Porsche from a distance. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. Maybe now, it was only it's... like the really expensive cars that had yeah. it at the time. Now it's, you know, everything's got it, unless you've got an old car. But... Yeah, my Corolla had one. <laughs> <laughs> it's a nothing thing. Now I'm just wondering if in 2000 it was... Uh... Also, speaking of uh, era things, I did not know that Nokia made computer monitors because they were using a computer early on, and I noticed it said Nokia, and I was like, wait, what? <laughs> <laughs> that's that's uh, Nokia for all those Americans out there listening. Nokia. <laughs> Do you also say Adidas instead of Adidas? Uh, no, my friend in Canada did. I remember we always said Adidas, oh, okay. but the uh, my in Canada, my best friend's family was from Denmark, and they would say uh, Adidas, and I thought that was a thing over there, but I'll I guess just... not. <laughs> 
Well, I'm not from Denmark. Maybe it's a thing in Denmark. <laughs> well, I mean, it's like a thing in, I don't know, on the other <laughs> side of the planet. <laughs> um, just to complete this trinity of brands that are pronounced differently, Nike. Not Nike. Ew. Nike. Nike. That's what everyone in the UK calls it. It's Nike. But, okay. Is that how the Greeks pronounce it? I don't give a, a shit how the Greeks pronounce it. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, anyway, um, <laughs> so yeah, actually, one thing about that computer uh, as well is that they're doing like a video call. And if this was twenty twenty three, I'd be like, yeah, that's fine. That that that, that crystal clear HD video signal between the two is perfectly fine. But in two thousand, no, no, yeah, no, no, I no, rolled no. my eyes a little. <laughs> yeah, like this is why these things where real technology has caught up with this, so now we can do this. But it was so funny is that their video of each other's we're doing in a it window. Right now. <laughs> literally yeah we're doing it right now but the video of each other is literally in like a window that's taken up maybe like a quarter of the screen so it looks crystal clear hd hd but, yeah but the rest of the computer monitor is like you know 2000 era like like looking graphics and like no, it's not even windows it's like a fake made up one but it looks like blocky and chunky and i'm like yeah yeah okay <laughs> nice dry movie <laughs> yeah what resolution is that the, f- the one that will always make me laugh is uh and cellular which was uh 2004 was no maybe it was a little bit later i think it was 2004 but it was chris evans and he's like on a video call and he's he's nokia mobile phone and it's this perfect crystal clear hd like video call and i'm like no 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 again now with a smartphone and a good internet connection absolutely but back then no 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 and he was in a car i think as well no way (laughs) no way so anyway uh so there's a couple of there's a couple of uh little time capsule-esque things that are sprinkled through the music i thought is like not the score because the score is by jerry goldsmith it's you know it's a solid score no but uh, like it opens with like a nickelback song <laughs> yeah it was a couple okay of... you want me to think he's cool but you're playing nickelback <laughs> i don't even recognize it was that was that nickelback yeah i i looked up this i looked up the soundtrack and i was like oh gross this is is this not before nickelback became because nickelback didn't really become a big thing until how you remind me right uh, that, I want to say it was around that time, wasn't it? Like, it was around high school for me. Yeah, it was for me too, but I feel like it was like a couple of years later. I could be, I mean, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm misremembering. Maybe I, this is the movie that put them on the map. <laughs> well, in that case, I want to give it a really bad score right now. <laughs> How dare they? It's okay. Nickelback got what they deserve. <laughs> um, so, yeah. I, I mean, uh, Brolin's good. Uh, Bacon's good. I think Elizabeth Shue is a little hit and miss, uh, personally. There's some times where she kind of overdoes moments. There's a moment, uh, like, like two-thirds through, where she grabs a weapon and says, we're going to get him. And she sort of, like, really emphasizes it. And I was like, okay, you're trying, you're, you're acting. <laughs> like, you're really <laughs> acting right now. Um, maybe I've got a grudge because I'll always see her as the replacement girlfriend for Back to the Future. And the one in the first movie was better. But, you know, I, I, can't, mm. I can't, you know. It's not that I don't like her in other movies. You know, she's in Karate Kid. She's in Adventures in Babysitting. I think that was her. Yeah. Well, I don't remember, but like, she's she's fine. I thought she was fine in this. There's mostly, there's just a couple of moments where it felt like she was, like, trying to sound like an action hero almost. And those were the moments where I kind of felt like, ah, maybe a bit much. I I thought she had good chemistry with both Roland and with Bacon, so. That's fair. Uh, My only critique of that from a writing standpoint is that she's arguably a little too flirty still because kevin big is made every one of these scientists are extremely horny (laughs) (laughs) 
I mean, all the men are, at least. I don't know. Well, okay. Elizabeth Shue I mean, is no, too. No one but... wears a bra. <laughs> no one wears a bra to work. It was like a resurgence of the 70s. What do you want? <laughs> I'm all for it. <laughs> um, you know, I never even thought of that, but you're right. There is a, a very specific scene where it's clear at least one of them is not wearing a bra. Uh, I don't even think about that. Yeah. Um, we've, we've got invisible maniac rules going on here. <laughs> I wonder if that's less to do with... I wonder if that's more of a, a visual effects choice, because basically the oh. shot's a visual effects thing, and I wonder if having the, to deal with the bra was just going to introduce too many other variables, and they're just like, no, no, that's yeah, just Yeah, even like the, uh, the front class one would yeah. still be pretty tricky. Yeah, so I, I've got a feeling that was just about making it simpler for the visual effects. So it's like, oh, you know what? She's a free spirit. She doesn't wear a bra. <laughs> yeah. Simple enough. That's the explanation. Uh, so anyway, yeah. Even though her boss is like Mr. Sexual Harassment all the time. <laughs> oh, he is. Yeah, he's 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 got a, an attitude before anything happens to him. That's that's for sure. So we'll get into yeah. everything, though. Um, so I'll give the spoiler warning for Hollow Man, and we'll, we'll go from there. Uh... The movie does sort of set up that Sebastian, which is Kevin Bacon's character, that he already does have these temptations. You know, there's a scene early on where he's like in his apartment and he notices the attractive woman across the street coming I mean, who home. Who wouldn't? She just <laughs> walks around <laughs> in her underpants and bra, just doing a strip tease for the neighbors until the last moment. Yes, she, she shuts the bullshit. I, I mean, I buy it to a point in that. There's definitely she, times where I've went to undress and went, oh, I'm about to, like, pull down the, the, the underwear. I should probably shut the curtains. Like, I, I've had that moment. <laughs> I mean, well, I, I feel like in this scene in particular, Bacon's like, okay, here we go. It's 6.30. She's coming home. <laughs> it's time for the show. And she, like, literally, like, unclasps her bra and holds her boobs while she goes to, like, <laughs> close the blinds. But it does set up that he's already, like, being, a, being voyeuristic, right? Because I think one of the big questions that's posed in this movie is that there's the invisible serum, because they mentioned that the uh, the ape has, has sort of, like, gotten, like, aggressive while it's been invisible. And the question is, is, like, has this made him worse? Or is just the ability to get away with everything just brought out the worst instincts in him that he already had? You know, that's kind of, like, one of the big things that the movie's getting at. Yeah, that's pretty consistent across the board for all these films. It's like, what would you do if you had this great power? Yeah, but that takes and, it further, but obviously. with the ape, or with the gorilla, I, she is she's more aggressive, but could, she could just be afraid. Because, yeah, yeah. I, I mean, gorillas have some sort of sense of self, and you know, they, they, they expect to see their arm, and they don't. They might just be afraid. She doesn't understand, you know? yeah, why, why yeah. she can't see anything. Uh, but Kevin Bacon cracks the reversion. He's all excited. He drives to work. We see they've got like an underground lab. There's security. Uh, they, you know, and they, they do a whole thing. They do the procedure. We see the visual effects of the gorilla coming back. It's all very. It's just it's pretty solid for what it is, especially for the time period. Oh yeah, definitely. And I really enjoyed the uh, the cardiac arrest scene where you mm. can see the heart fail. And yeah, stuff like yeah. That. I thought that was really neat. I also like when they inject with a serum, you just see it go through the, the veins, which did lead to a question, which I think they just tried to avoid, is what mm. does it look like when he's invisible but eaten? They never showed him eating except for when he had the, like, the mask thing on. So you, I was like, because... No, but we do see invisible vomit, which I thought was really fun. Yeah, that does establish that at some point it, it mixes with these 
body enough that it becomes invisible as well. But I'm yeah. wondering how long the food would be visible. I have to imagine at least through the throw it. Like, I have to imagine it gets to the digestive system before it truly, like, mixes in and changes. I don't know. Because, like, his clothes don't become invisible. He has to be naked. Yeah, I know. But clearly everything inside his body is invisible. Otherwise, you... Because, I mean, it establishes quite clearly that you would see things inside him. You would. Hmm. So... I think they just wanted to avoid it, so they didn't deal with it. <laughs> so the the stomach acid is uh, is also invisibility yeah. theorem. <laughs> Effectively, okay. yeah. Once his body starts to process it, it has to turn <laughs> invisible. That's that's the only thing that makes sense. Yes. Uh, uh... Yeah. No. I I really well. I really like the opening scene. Well, we do we do see the uh, the rat get eaten by the gorilla. But it mostly just becomes oh, a pile right, yeah. of blood. It's just, yeah, it's, it's, I forgot about that. Yeah, there's a little tea scene where a rat's running around and it gets grabbed by something invisible and then gets bit, and you just see the blood make. So you can see the mouth of the gorilla with the the blood. Uh, yeah, it's just an effective little yeah opener. Yeah. Yeah. Here's a little animal cruelty for you guys right right at the beginning. Well, you know this has to be CG because there's no way they could oh, yeah, have done yeah, that yeah, with definitely. a real rat. So. <laughs> um, I'm sure this is PETA approved. So they, uh, you know, they, they do the procedure, they celebrate how we've cracked the code, but Kevin Bacon starts to get a little, you know, he's a little miffed about it. And it's because this kind of means that this is all coming to an end because they've solved the the other end problem. And when they go, because I was actually thinking, do they explain who they're doing this for? And they do, because they go to the Pentagon and the military are, are funding all this. And they're so pissed off at him because he can't complete his work. And it's like, he's created an invisibility serum. <laughs> why are you so mad at him like clearly he's done the impossible already and you're still upset like you can't use it you can still use it you know <laughs> the guys just can't come back to yeah visible land I, until they figure it out but the important thing is though is that they have figured it out and he lies he says they've not figured it out because he wants to keep control of the project with his ego and when they get outside, because Josh Brolin and Elizabeth Shirley, like, what the hell, dude? Like, why did why did you lie to the Pentagon? So yeah. like, because Time for us to get credit. Because I'm going to be the first person to be invisible. We're going to test it without their approval. Uh, and it's like, okay, that sounds like a bad idea. But uh, also, the the guy, the uh, the doctor for the Pentagon, uh, William Devane's the actor. I just saw him recently in Marathon Man. So he 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 was working in movies for like thirty years already by this point, at least. Uh, I didn't recognize him, but he seemed like a like a Verhoeven guy. He's just he's got a very kind of recognizable voice and face. I think so. It really stuck out. To he's me. definitely pretty theatrical. Mm. I liked it. So so sure enough, they they lie to the rest of the team. The rest of the team don't know that they're doing this illegally, but they get prepped. They they go and Kevin Bacon tells this awful joke <laughs> about Superman and Wonder Woman, which is just like. This joke is, it's just, first of all, it's just not that funny, right? But secondly, it's, like, he says it as if Invisible Man is, like, a member of the Justice League, so it makes sense why, be upset about that. why there's an Invisible Man around. He also says that there are, she's on top of the Justice League, that the Justice League is the building. Like, what are you, what are you talking yeah, about? The Hall of Justice. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Bacon. <laughs> Get your act together, okay? Yeah, he's definitely heard this joke from somewhere and has never actually read a comic book yes he, he's heard this from nerds uh but he's, he's he didn't quite translate it himself well yeah and also it's just not that good of a joke it's not it's a shit joke anyway um but uh yeah but 
I mean, it does have a purpose, I suppose, because it does kind of, again, show his attitude towards sex. Like, you know, we're constantly reminded of him making sex jokes, of him trying to flirt with Elizabeth Shue, even though he knows she's with someone now. Uh, it's a secret that it's Josh Brolin, it's... but... Okay, so... I'll... Can I do? Can I say the joke? I'll do, like, an abbreviated version of it. What, do you think there's more to analyze with it? Go on, yes. yes. Yeah, give, give me the joke. So, so the, the joke is that Superman's flying, and he's horny. And he sees Wonder Woman, and Wonder Woman's tanning on top of the Hall of Justice. <laughs> I'll correct it. <laughs> I, I, I believe the phrase was, he wants some of that Wonder Pussy. I believe that was He is phrase. horny, and she is out there, spread eagle, according to him, and like, sun tanning on, on the roof of the building. And she looks like she wants sex. And Superman, you know, Mr. Good Boy, <laughs> Mr. Golden Boy, yes, yes. decides, I could get away with it. Because I have this superpower, which allows me to have sex incredibly fast, and she wouldn't even know. And that's so. It it is a little bit of a setup of yeah, like, yeah. He is gonna do this because he can. Because though, he can get away with anyone it. who knows Superman would be like, no, he would never do anything so horrific. He would never rape a woman. <laughs> and so he <laughs> does. And then the joke is the Invisible Man was actually having sex with her at the time, and so yeah. Yeah, that he actually had sex with Invisible Man. <laughs> Imagine if that actually set up like a like a goofball <laughs> really dumb. punchline at the end, or not at the end, but later on, where he, where he goes to attack the woman and then feels someone else in front of her. Like, imagine they actually paid that off with like what <laughs> happened in the joke. That'd have been a wild uh, yeah, conclusion to it, that. It turns out, uh, whatever his name, J.J. Uh, Abrams' best friend or whatever, <laughs> also took the Invisible <laughs> Serum and went to stalk the neighbor. <laughs> Bizarrely, the only thing that sounds like it could be plausible out of the whole joke, which is not the point of the joke, but just because I'm a nerd, I'm going to mention it, is that I actually buy that Wonder Woman might not give a shit and just sunbathe naked. Like, I actually believe that she may have that attitude because she's from an island of just nothing but women. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. She'd be working on her tan. Yeah. The spread ego part, not so much. That's just that's just. Well, that's fantasy. because she wasn't actually suntanning. She was having sex with the Invisible Man. <laughs> Fair point. We've de- deconstructed this joke far more than I thought we were going to. <laughs> I, I do think it was actually an important <laughs> thing to bring up. Yes, yes. And even the fact that it's poor taste is relevant to the theme. So yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It, 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 all, it all works. Uh, <laughs> my first thought was... That's not my character. So let me correct. <laughs> the Superman yeah, and Wonder Woman me. would not act this way. <laughs> Wonder Woman only has sex with Steve Trevor, okay? <laughs> anyway. Uh, <laughs> anyway, so they do the procedure. He turns invisible. There is like a bit of a scare in the middle that he might be having a heart attack or something. But, you know, it calms down. He goes invisible. He fades away. And at first, it's all fun and games, you know. Like the, the, when he comes in to see them after he wakes up like a day later, because he, you know, he he says that he's been asleep for like seventeen hours. Like he comes in, he says hello, he sort of sneaks about a bit, he rushes into them, and they, they have a laugh. You know, someone compares it to Marco Polo. Yeah, it's I mean, they're, fun. I, they're all scientists working on this thing, and it seems to have worked. So, but it's that very first night where he does something creepy already. You know, because they basically have this rule where someone else will always be in the lab to kind of be there if you need something. Um, and also to kind of keep an eye on him. So it's the veterinarian character uh, uh, played by Kim Dick and Sarah? Sarah. Yeah, Sarah is left there. And she's had like, some conflict with him because she cares about the animals and he's happy to make jokes about dissecting them and shit like that. And she is staying there. She falls asleep sort of in the security area and 
he comes in and starts unbuttoning her cardigan and starts actually groping her boob, which it honestly only thing that was going through my mind was like, damn, this is like such a weird visual effect to have to do because like, obviously this is a CG boob that's been. I I mean I was thinking that too. Yeah. He also like you know. <laughs> Does, there's more than growth. <laughs> You're gonna have to explain what that motion was for the audio listeners, Tara. Do I? He was he was enjoying the nipple as well. <laughs> Not just the mass, but also. I the mean, nipple. you can't you can't see what he's doing, but you can see the effects of what he's doing. And it's more than just groping, and it's like, dude, like you first of all, absolutely not well, okay not... for the beginning, but like you're this really is pushing assault. this pretty far. Right. Yeah. It's, it's not like he walked in and sort of joked, like, I mean, this would already be harassment, right? Especially if they're uncomfortable. But if he came in and sort of jokes, like, hey, do you ever wonder what it was like to have sex with an invisible man? Right? That would already be like going over a line because he's kind of insinuating that he wants to, which would obviously already be a, a, a problematic and scary thing for the other person. And what's very clear in this movie is that after this one incident, her, um, Elizabeth Shue, and uh, the other female uh, scientist, uh, janice who works up with the curly haired man up in the control room like they're all on edge like after this like janice goes to the bathroom the next day and like there's a little noise and she grabs her heat like vision goggles and puts them on while she's having a piss because she's yeah. scared that sebastian is going to come in and spy on her also what the hell no private stalls in any of their bathrooms they're just <laughs> toilets in these like 10 by 10 rooms here's the toilet <laughs> My guess is, is they constructed this lab in a rush or something. <laughs> I don't know. It wasn't a priori, okay? <laughs> it wasn't a priori. But, like, immediately she, you know, she feels uncomfortable. Obviously, uh, even the way Sarah talks about it the next day, because she's telling uh, Brolin and Shu, hey, I think this might have happened, but, like, you know, I asked him where he was because he wasn't on the camera, because they've got, like, a heat vision camera where he's might be sleeping. And he's like, oh, I was just up for a coffee. Nothing serious. Uh, she's like oh i shouldn't have brought it up it's probably nothing but she did wake up with like her buttons undone like he, he, he didn't have time to put them back together again so it didn't look suspicious yeah um yeah. and she has this obviously like you know, she woke up because someone was groping her so it, like immediately he's crossed this huge lane already so it's not surprising that he goes further later on yeah and i think the thing that stuck out to me the most is that when he does eventually break out by uh well, the first time he doesn't even sneak out. He just sort of tells Greg Grunberg, I'm leaving. You can't stop me. <laughs> I'm going crazy. I need to go out. Because this is after they've tried to turn him back and it's not working. So he's been invisible for like 10 days by this point. He's starting to get like cabin fever. And he's got a, like a latex mask he wears now. Yeah. Well, I actually thought that was a fun effect was them pouring that like latex on his face. I thought that was a really cool effect. Yeah. I, I kind of wish they had like a bald cap on him first though. Because like all I could think about was the hair. Ah, just pouring good... latex straight onto his hair. That's a very good point. Uh, I mean, maybe it wouldn't have been as cool of an effect to put a ball cap on him first and then pour the latex on, but I don't know. It was honestly, a little distracting for me. Yeah. Or just establish that you've shaved his head. Yeah. Yeah. You know? Maybe just do one quick effect shot of like, bzzz, and just see some hair falling down. And then that's it. Okay. He shaved his head short enough that it doesn't, you know, it wouldn't show up on the, the latex. No biggie. Yeah. That makes sense. But I think later on in the heat vision, he still does have his like sort of, not long hair, but he's got kind of, you know, he's got Kevin Bacon hair. <laughs> like, you can you can still see it later on. Yeah. Uh, but that's a fun effect. But he gets cabin fever and he, he sort of runs out. And he goes home and he eats a Twinkie and he's just sort uh, of, he's doing whatever. But then he notices the woman across the street come home. And he's looking over there. He sees himself in the mirror. 
And I think what stuck out to me is like so disturbing about this. Obviously, the fact that he goes over and rapes her is disturbing in its own right. But I think the the first thing here that really disturbed me was the way he kind of like he says to himself, "Don't even think about it." But like when I say to myself, "Don't even think about it," I'm t- I'm like, "Oh, don't have an extra cookie. I've had too many. Don't even <laughs> think about it." I I don't, you know that's not yeah. how you that's not how you argue with yourself over a potential assault. <laughs> like that's not how you think about it. You should well, you should think about it anyway. But he's, he's got like, a complex god complex, and he's already he made that Superman analysis. Um, he and uh, analogy there we go Got there it. you go uh <laughs> he does compare himself to god multiple times jokingly but it's the mm-hmm. sort of thing where nah he probably actually does have a god complex he thinks he is Big god he, he thinks he can do whatever he wants and i think that's part of this as well as the exploration of like we, we i mean we're talking about how it's about if those filters were removed and you couldn't be seen doing something what would you do i think that's obviously there but i think it's actually that's really just the an analogy <laughs> to borrow that word back <laughs> uh but it is, it is really just an analogy for the type of power that some people have anyway it's not it's not so much that they're literally invisible it's that they can get away with it and they'll just do it because they can so it's kind of like a well a, i think that also falls under the category of mad scientists like throughout all of like the universal monster era not mm. just with claude rains but you know frankenstein and his monster even Jurassic Park, you know, so obsessed whether or not you could, you didn't stop to think if you should. The whole, I oh, can yeah, play yeah. God, I can take away life, I can, you know, I, because they have that mentality, like there's already, they're kind of compromised, you know. Oh, you're absolutely compromised. right, but I, you're absolutely right, but I, I'm, I'm being more specific about the idea of like what a man would do with women if he can get away with something. I'm, I'm thinking more about like, I don't want to just say Harvey Weinstein, but like you know that type of like corruption and predatory behavior i haven't watched the show i've only seen like the pilot episode but i i do think of the one from the boys right like oh sure yeah (laughs) i think that definitely explores that in that show from what i can tell yeah um you know i mean obviously there's a a literal sexual assault in the first episode but even the other characters who are kind of super powered but villainous the entire thing is about just like this guy has literal power and he, he's got the mentality of a child so he can do whatever he wants. Uh, and some weird fans have had the audacity in season three to be like, why is the show political all of a sudden? It was political from the first <laughs> minute, you idiots. I, I haven't watched it. I, I only saw the... I won't say I watched the first two episodes and I did like it, but I, then I didn't have access to Prime. So, sure, I don't sure. know. It's on my list. I'll watch it eventually. It's, it's, it's very good. Uh, the, the boys, surprisingly so, I was not expecting it to have the, the depth and the heart that it does. Mm-hmm. Uh, which really counterbalances all the dark like subjects that it's tackling um but yeah i i think yeah the, the idea it's just the way he thinks about it beforehand i think is even it's not more disturbing but it's the first moment in this like sequence of events that really disturbs me when i'm watching it because i'm like wait you can't just, you you weigh it up like you're going to do something slightly naughty but that's the, yeah. <laughs> like that's not what this is <laughs> this is <No. laughs> this is horrific this this is this this woman at the end of the scene, it cuts away. Obviously, <laughs> yeah, it cuts away. I want to say there's an extended, not like super extended, but I want to say there's a slightly longer version of it on like the deleted scenes where they, they sort of trimmed it down because they thought oh, it's a bit too much. And they took you had you had the DVD for this back in the day. I did, yeah. yeah. Um, and but you know even when in the, the the final cut when it cuts back to her, she's just on the bed crying. She doesn't understand what's happened. She she she. she 
some invisible force. It, I guess it may, I didn't know this when I first saw this, but I guess now it makes me think a little bit. There's a movie from the 80s, I think it's called The Entity, and it's about a woman who keeps getting raped by a ghost, which I know sounds like an absurd premise, but it's actually this really horrific thing because... It, and he, and I think with a modern perspective, you can see what it means. It's, it's all about how she's been assaulted, but no one believes her. Everyone <laughs> says, no, you're just crazy. It's not happening. You're seeking attention, so on, so on, because it's, it's literally a ghost. So you understand has, why no one believes her. The but... memory is literally haunting her. Yeah. Um, so, like, uh, yeah, it, just, it makes me think of that now. Like, <laughs> from, from this woman's perspective, who the actress, by the way, Rona Mitra, um went on to be in things uh she was she replaced kate beckinsale in underworld movies which i've not seen those sequels uh but i saw her okay. in like a, i saw her in a post-apocalyptic i thought you said i thought you meant things like the movie thing <laughs> no which is a great film you're the only person on this planet who when the sentence she's been in uh, she's been in things well, you take to put an to emphasis on things. Like, <laughs> no, no. She was in a movie called Doomsday, uh, directed by Neil Marshall, um, and she's popped up in small roles in a couple of things. But uh, she replaced. I think her biggest thing is she was she replaced Kate Beckinsale for at least one Underworld sequel as the same character. So, mm. uh, yeah, she did look familiar. You've probably seen her in something. She she did go on to be in other things. That this was probably before she had bigger roles, but uh, yeah. Oh, she, she's uh, English, I think, but you would never notice, obviously, in this, because she literally doesn't have a line of dialogue, which is kind of horrific when you think about it, that this woman is attacked and assaulted, and that's literally all she is in this movie. She doesn't even get to speak. Yeah, it is just uh, a role for her being scared. <laughs> yeah. Um, which I'm not necessarily critiquing in a broad sense, because I think it does have a purpose to, like, how Sebastian sees her. She is just a sex object across the street that he's thought about. And it's notable as well that he decides to break out uh, after he's been rejected again from Elizabeth Shue. Because he keeps sort of like trying to push it. Like, oh, what does this new boyfriend have that I don't? And he's kind of up in her face. And he, let's be clear, the way he's holding her against the wall or getting close to her, like, is already over a line. Like, you know, take take it, obviously we've seen her, seen him, like, expose a breast and, like, drop it. But even, like, if you ignore that, which you shouldn't, but mm-hmm. even just with Elizabeth Shue, the way he's, like, getting close to her and talking to her and trying to, like, kind of, like, I don't know, seduce her, I guess, is already, like, severe, like, workplace sexual harassment. Like, And he's naked. He's technically naked, yeah, because he's invisible. <laughs> Quite right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I wonder how much of this Kevin Bacon was on set for. Obviously, he was there when they were doing the... Uh, like when he's wearing the latex mask because it's obviously based on him so he has to be there for the mocap but i wonder yeah. how much of him like is he just recording lines in a booth is someone else reading these lines on set for the other actors i wonder i did watch a like 10 minute thing on youtube about special effects because i was curious also and mm. it seems to be that he was on set a lot uh, he was either completely in green he even wore green contact lenses and uh or like completely like in the uh in black for when like the water scenes were happening mm-hmm. um he just had he, he had a ton of makeup on or um special effects makeup on the whole time and they would just erase him from the scene so he was very much on set That's interacting with people uh which is probably good it probably makes for better performance from everyone else that he's actually there uh, yeah. for them to react to and whatnot so that, that's that's a good thing for sure 
Not for Kevin Bacon, apparently. Apparently it was quite grueling. Oh, I'm sure he was wearing this tight outfit the whole time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, probably couldn't go for a piss without, like, three people helping him get out of it. Like... <laughs> um, you get no water. Yeah. Uh, it's, yeah, so, you know, obviously, we spent a lot of time talking about this rape scene, but it is... Ca- I feel like it's the scene that most people remember from this movie, because it is just, like, the most brutal sort of example of him doing something, uh, you know, in here. Uh, maybe because it is more horrific to us as moviegoers, because we're so used to seeing people get killed that when he starts killing people, it's like, eh, you know, <laughs> that's just fun. <laughs> it is fun. Yeah. Um, uh, this scene, not so much. This is... <laughs> This is uh this is dark and this is the moment that you're supposed to go like oh he is just he's like, crossed, he's, yeah. he's been very he's already crossed the line but now he's gone pure evil yeah he's he's already crossed the line now but, he must be stopped but this is where he's crossed the line into there's like no coming back there's no yeah. redemption now he is he is completely and utterly the villain of the movie and the others need to be scared of him and we see that we see like when he does like get out again and they realize that he's been sneaking out without them knowing he, he basically does the speed trick where he's got the uh the footage of him in the bed on a loop so they don't know that he's left yeah. uh, and he's going out and he's spying on elizabeth's shoe and they suspect he was there because he smashes a window but then they call and say hey is he still there and they're like yeah he's in he's in bed um but of course he was there uh and basically it gets to a point where they're like okay you know what we have to fess up that we did this because he keeps sneaking out he's tricking us um we have to go and report that what we did to like the authorities or we have to tell them what's happened so they go to the general guy uh, from earlier on um and kevin bacon witnesses all of this in fact hell even before they try and bring him back for the first time there's a scene where they're talking about him and how they're kind of creeped out by it and it's like okay but we're almost about to bring him back so it's no big deal but they all sort of voice their concerns and the ladies especially sort of chime in on it and then they all leave the room and then just this this chair just moves this turns around yeah. and you could see the indentation and i kept thinking he's sitting naked on that leather seat. <laughs> that sucks. Yeah. But he's just he's just sitting there listening the whole time. And it, it really plays with that idea where like he could be there at any point. I, I do yeah. think this is something that was improved upon in the 2020 Invisible Man movie. I think that idea he could be here anywhere was oh, done yeah. better in that. But that this this has a lot more fun with the uh you know like because because in the 2020 movie, it's a suit that makes the, the character invisible. Here, because we're doing all the fancy stuff with his body turning invisible, we also do a lot more stuff with, like, okay, smoke blows on him, or fire extinguisher, like, hits him, or water drizzles on him. We're doing a lot more of those CG effects where we're seeing kind of the shape of him appear. Uh, at one point later on, when it turns into a slasher movie and he's trapped them all in the, the base, uh, like, the, the, the vet character, Sarah, she starts just, like, pouring blood packs on the floors to see his footsteps. And that's, that's mm-hmm. you know, that's fun. I, I like them trying to, like, okay, what are the rules to how we can, like, try and see them? I, I love rules when it comes to this stuff. And it's stuff like, okay, heat vision goggles. Kevin Bacon sort of counters that by having, like, steam vents going off everywhere and raising the temperature so that the temperature of the room is the same as him so they're ineffective. And it's like, okay, that's smart. That makes sense. And then, okay, we have to, like, spray stuff to see if he's walking through it. You know? It's like, yeah. okay, I, I like the... the 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 beat to beat thought progression for the most part in that stuff makes a lot of sense to me and I have yes. fun with that. You're still susceptible to fire. Yes, <laughs> uh, and they've even got a safe room because the security room locks, so they always keep like someone in there, lock it behind them. Um, mm-hmm. uh, I, I will point out that other than the general who he kills right after the others have spoken to him, um, the first of the main team to die is the black character. 
so just you know i'll call that that's out. true she's the first one that gets separated yeah and it's literally they walk out a door and she oh my goggles she turns back picks up her goggles and then goes, <laughs> goes to walk out the door and gets the snatched. goggles do nothing <laughs> <laughs> yeah so janice is the first of the team to snuff it the general uh got killed in his pool uh yeah. before he could tell anyone else that there's an invisible maniac <laughs> you know on the list <laughs> so There's that's a 10 fun out of 10 movie yes join our patreon the very first ever bonus episode that me and tim did a screams after midnight was a review of the invisible maniac it would have been better when they did the pentagon scene if someone was like i came all the way from belgium for this <laughs> i never even thought of that but yeah that would have improved it tenfold i agree i completely agree with that um, would have added at least one extra point to my rating yeah. So I, I do think it effectively shows that he is getting more and more kind of like toxic towards Elizabeth Shue, you know, because eventually when they're in the slasher part of the movie, he does say things like, oh, I always knew you were a bitch. You know, he starts saying like almost like the to the T, the, the sort of statements that someone is that toxic would say to a woman. Um, yeah, it's much, it's actually kind of um, parallels the how he talks about the animals in the beginning too or the veterinarian how mm. she cares more about animals than like the work that needs to be done everyone's just a tool for him including elizabeth shoot like uh, including his you know partners and stuff where she you know kind of makes the comment like you were always invisible like you never yeah. were really there and um yeah so when he like turns on her and starts calling her names and stuff it's like yeah it's just he just sees people as objects to I mean, get what he needs even early on when he's trying to kind of rekindle in a more healthy way you know it's when they're at the dinner after they're celebrating bringing the ape back and there's a quiet moment where she goes to find him and he's like out in the balcony and they have kind of a heart-to-heart scene and he's like hey we were pretty good right like we, we could be together again and this is like a more acceptable thing because he's like oh, he's, he's just you know he, he's not saying anything toxic he's not crossing any lines here he's just floating the idea and yeah. she says Nah, because when I was with you, you were great. I was just standing there. And that sort of mm-hmm. tells you, yeah, he does have this God complex. He is the center of the attention. It's not this partnership. Uh, whereas, you know, when we see her with J- Josh Brolin, it's, I mean, they're mostly just lying in bed together, to be honest. There's not a whole lot of deep stuff to show that they're super connected on, like, an emotional level. But, you know. Uh, yeah, I mean, he keeps trying to... I don't know. It's all very sexy stuff, but, like, mm. if if he keeps like saying we should go to work together we can carpool and she's like eh. you know there's there's a wall there because of sebastian yeah yeah um but you know he he's obviously a sensible uh well-adjusted man seemingly and that's that's enough compared to sebastian throughout the course yes. of this movie <laughs> uh so once he's killed the general and he basically sets a bunch of traps. He 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 takes away all the security clearance with the computer. Which, by the way, when the color haired guy goes out of the computer to look at the security system, and it's you know it's the the wireframe like of the building, and he's like <laughs> it's the cameras going through the wireframe. I'm like, this is two thousand. How are you still doing this? This is stupid. <laughs> <laughs> Movie, you you're getting you know a serious point docked for this because this this should have been done by two thousand. Was the Oh, the, the software for the security is like a, a wireframe like schematic of the building bullshit. No, 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 no. Yeah, no. don't they have to like download off of a floppy disk at some point in some <laughs> too? Like, I don't think that's the right word. <laughs> um, I don't remember that, but you could be right. I may mean, have just missed it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Uh, I was watching a movie from 1994 that revolved around a floppy disk earlier today, and that was at least time appropriate. Oh, maybe that's the movie I'm thinking of, actually, because I watched that yesterday. <laughs> How would you do that to yourself? I don't understand. I love that movie. Uh, patrons can look forward to extra reels in about two months' time uh, for what movie we're talking about. It's a good one. Talk no, about an ego not. fest. No, it's not. Oh, there's eagle, definitely eagle involved. I'll say that much. So, yeah. So, yeah, this is the critique of the movie. I think most people tend to say is that it just turns into like a B movie slasher film. And it kind of does. But at the very least, it's kind of fun. Yeah, I do like how they play with the geography. I do like how they play with the rules and using the different things to try and see them. And I especially like that the kills are mostly entertaining. Like, I mean, I do question that Kevin Bacon's strong enough to lift up Greg Grunberg by his neck. Like, with his spare hands. Yeah, he is above him, though, right? So he is, like, holding... Like, he's got a support system to help him pull up, at least. He's not, like, um, you know, like... He's not, like, hanging on to something and trying to pull him up with the other arm to choke him. Like, he he does have, like, something else to hold him. I still question if he could, especially since Greg Runberg is... You know, he's he's not a slim man. He's he's got a bit of a, a chubbiness to him. Yeah, he's not that big. Yeah, but I'm not even sure you could do it with like a like a slim man, to be honest. Like I, I question if you're, well, maybe if you're... you couldn't, but Kevin <laughs> Bacon up. could. I dare you. No, no, I, I just I'm questioning like because he's lying on like the pipes that are like you know just under the ceiling, and he's like got his arms down and lifting up by the neck. Like I, I, I don't <laughs> think most people like maybe a bodybuilder well, could do it. <laughs> wasn't there some kind of insinuation that the that there was some strength gained from taking the serum too? Because when he's, like, busting out of, like, the the um, <clears throat> armbands and stuff, when he's he's strapped in, right, and he, like, breaks them, he breaks out of those, and he he throws somebody into, a, like, mm. whatever, like, crash cart that they have right I next to it. I don't know if it's strength or just, like, extra adrenaline. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, maybe more of that. So, that said, though, when he throws Greg Grunberg to the side... Uh, like Greg Rubber's head lands on like a metal bar that's sticking out of the wall, and it is quite a brutal little moment. It is, yeah, yeah. Um, so I was we- like, we could save him. Like, no, I don't think so. <laughs> He's got some serious brain damage. <laughs> yeah, he he leaves uh, Elizabeth's shoe after a scene where they're like trying to like spot him. Uh, he kills the curly-haired guy uh, by stabbing him with like a metal bar. Uh, he stabs Josh Brolin as well, and he, he traps Josh Brolin, who's bleeding out. Elizabeth's shoe in the freezer and like turns the freezer up full and like sort of like locks the door with a big slidey lock in the outside. And Elizabeth's shoe eventually gets out of this by fitting a defibrillator and hot wiring it to like a metal handle to act as a magnet so she can like slide the metal bar from the other side. Honestly, I was like, you know what? On my simple science logic, that made a lot of sense. That uh, I I thought it was a very creative science way to get out of it, which I thought was fun. But I also was like, that's a pretty cheap looking um, uh, AC unit up there with like a little <laughs> wire hanging out. Like, can you just like disconnect it so it doesn't work? And uh, that seemed, I don't know. It wasn't like, it, it had its wires exposed. You could have at least try to sabotage that first. And then um, maybe try to break the glass. Like she does try to break the glass a little bit, but like it's barely an effort. Yeah. Uh, we also see him kill Sarah. She's the one who's throwing the blood packs in the ground to try and like see if he's coming towards her. He ultimately hits her hard uh, and then says something slightly... 
not necessarily pervy, but kind of just has like a demeanor about him, like where he kind of like implies we could have been great or something like that. Um, mm-hmm. and then snaps her neck, and then creepily sort of runs his hands down her body as he goes away. Uh, so you know. gotta go rinse off all that blood. Mm. He he's definitely full on, um, like. Not incel, that's not the right word. But like he's full on he's full on like, you know, like angry against women at this point. Like he's 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 like, they're yeah. against me, they they all need to be punished kind of attitude, and like the men are just in my way and jealous of me. Like that that's his thought process at this point. Yeah. Uh but Elizabeth Shue comes swinging. She comes and with a, a makeshift flamethrower and sets him on fire. Uh, that gets all the sprinklers going so we get the cool visual of him because he sort of disappears so all his clothes are burning because he put on his clothes and they sort of disintegrate as he's running away which is kind of a cool moment and then the sprinklers turn on and it reveals where he is and he's like behind them Brolin shows up to save her because he's got better which and they didn't just pull this out of nowhere she actually started a fire next to him to like heat him up because he'd been in the freezer so it was like okay, like there's enough. You thought out. Yeah, there's enough logic, at least movie level logic. I'm not saying any of this actually holds up to science, but yes, you know. But then they're like, "We, he's on the ground. Let's get out of here." I'm like, "Don't you want to kill him?" Yeah, just kill him. <laughs> Honestly, I think the worst visual effect in this movie might be when they're in the elevator shaft climbing up the ladder and the fire at the bottom just looks like this yeah. fake blanket, of, like you know, orange CG. <laughs> yeah, it looks a little 1991. Yeah, that's probably the worst yeah visual effect in the movie. And it's funny because it's such relatively basic compared to all the, oh, people turning invisible by hey, layer. We, we always say that fire and like smoke are the hardest things to get right on CG. Like, because in like network TV shows still, they just can't get it right. I think smoke's easier than fire, but it's obscene just how often they don't put the effort in. And it's really obvious when it's just like this layer of CG instead yeah. of like actual... Because it's definitely a good CG. Like, you know, I, I can think of, like, rockets taking off and, like, the smoke coming from the, you know, the, the bottom of the rocket, like, looking good. Like, there's definitely examples of good stuff. Yeah. I don't know. Most of the stuff is, seems to be done in California, and we're always on fire. <laughs> Take a camera out to the forest and just capture some. <laughs> yeah. That's interesting. I, I, I think this final, like, act is kind of its own little movie in a weird way. And because they have the safe room, because they're trying to outthink them, and they're getting picked off one by one. Um, I get that it feels like a bit basic compared to like maybe what the themes were pointing at up until this point. But mm-hmm. at the same time, like, and it's not really my job to think of what where it should have went instead. But I don't really know where it would have went instead, really, with everything they set up. But yeah, no, it was just let's defeat the evil guy now. Yeah. So that our happy couple can live happily ever after. If if anything, like, if it didn't turn into a slasher movie, I would have maybe expected him to get away with everything and leave. And the idea yeah. is that he's out there. You know, this evil's out there and you can't do anything about it. <clears throat> yes, or um, expand on the military a- aspect, I suppose. I mean, maybe that's mm-hmm. not as interesting, but I did enjoy the the one line in there where you know, it was after our um, our lady goes to the bathroom and she can't, like, she doesn't know if he's there or not. And she's like, I, I just feel uneasy all the time because I don't know where he is. And then there, someone says, well, imagine what the how everyone's going to feel when the military has this and they know about it. Mm. Like, everyone's going to be afraid of, like, there's going to be an American soldier in my room. I don't know. That That's definitely, uh, yeah, like, the larger concern here is, like, maybe we shouldn't create this because it could be abused to, like, the extreme, you know? Yeah. 
all it takes is one like soldier who's been given this to go and use it for his own personal like how, how often do you see people exploiting like what they get <laughs> from their profession and using it to like their own benefits like uh soldiers in war yeah yeah <laughs> frequently so um no it's just uh it's interesting um mm -hmm. but hey uh yeah, that's basically the movie, you know, the credits basically just start rolling once they're out on the surface. Uh, it never really goes into, like, because they're obviously going to have to go and tell the other people at the Pentagon, like, what happened and, like, everything. So they're probably still going to be in shit tons of trouble, so it's maybe not a super happy ending. That said, though, maybe they want nothing to do with science after this. Maybe they're ready to just go and do something else with their lives. <laughs> <laughs> what if we make a bigger bomb? <laughs> um, there is a Hollow Man too. There's a director video. It. Yeah, there's a director video hall. I've never seen it either. With Christian Slater. That's the only part of that that makes it sound tempting. Is Christian yeah, Slater? Yeah, right. Maybe, maybe we could fit in a bonus. I don't know. Um, but hey, that that's uh, that's Hollow Man. I guess we should read it. What, what are you giving Hollow Man out of ten? Um, yeah, I'm, you know, I'm a big Verhoeven fan. Um, so. I do I do enjoy it. I, I enjoy his like level of sleaze. I think it's just right. And I I enjoy um I enjoy Kevin Bacon's performance a lot in this. Uh I think it is a really fun movie all the way around. Mm. Um I, I do think that the B movie stuff at the end is also very fun, but like maybe not quite as satisfying, especially after you've seen like the more modern day Invisible Man film, which is an like a really incredible film. I love that one so much. And it really, you know, hones in on this theme of toxic masculinity in a huge way. That's the whole point of the film. And uh, I, uh, uh, yeah, so, but for the fun of it, I'm, I'm going to go with the seven. Yeah. That, that, that seems about right to me. Um, I think it's entertaining enough. I enjoy enough of the effects. I enjoy some of the set pieces. It does just kind of become a B movie, but I enjoy it for that at least. Um, mm -hmm. I think you know. I'll go six point five. I'm going to go yeah. one nudge. Yes. I'm going to go one nudge lower just because I don't think I want to outrate. Just call it good because I think it just doesn't quite hit that mark. But I, I did really? enjoy watching it. <laughs> it's definitely like the weaker of like Verhoeven's movies. Come on, it's on the weaker end. Um, no, I've seen some stuff that's weaker. Okay, but I mean, if I'm comparing this to Robocop and Total Recall, I mean, it's better than Starship okay, Troopers, yeah, if I'll give you that. If you're gonna compare it to Tens, like, <laughs> sure, it's weaker. <laughs> uh, it's not better than Starship Troopers. I watched that like two weeks ago. Mm-hmm, sure. Uh, I did. I I'll talk about it on Meltdown. You don't have to talk about it. You've we've already reviewed that movie. Oh, I, sometimes I go over what I've rewatched. Ah, uh, but that's stuff we've we've already reviewed in depth on the show. What are you talking about? Of course I do. <laughs> I want a lot. <laughs> I simply want a lot. That's just. All I that talked is. about when I rewatched Starship Troopers three, and I changed my rating to a positive one. Ah, uh, because you wanted to announce to the world how delusional you really are. <laughs> no, how I delusional I was because uh... I missed the point of it the first time much like most people did the first time they watched starship troopers okay well that that's, that's the atomic serum experiment and our thoughts on on hollow man 
um you can of course let us know what you thought of the movie in the comments like subscribe and of course you can support all the content over at patreon.com slash tv why are you giving me an evil look what, what did i do i was just thinking how i'm going to do my pose oh yeah we'll do that after but that's fine uh but welcome welcome uh i'm saying welcome you've, you've confused me i'm doing the intro again <laughs> Thank you very much for joining us, everyone. We always appreciate it. Keep watching science fiction and computer at Salsa.